Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Wiki Shuffle. My name's Jack. I am joined by Chris and Phil. Hello. Hello. You all know the drill by now. We are going to delve into the wonderful world of Wikipedia and unearth some delicious nuggets. Uh, <laughs> nuggets are nice. Golden I nuggets, chicken nuggets. Know, are they? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of nuggets. Sounds like a little bit of poo. It does. What is a nugget? Just a, a really small piece of poo. Some yeah. <laughs> chicken, cereal, um... Are there any t- other types of nuggets? No. Gold. Fish nuggets? Fish, Fish nuggets? nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. We were going to keep this intro short and concise. But, uh, yeah. What is the Wikipedia article for fish nuggets? <laughs> well, we'll only know if we do land on the Wikipedia article for, uh, for fish nuggets. And as you know, it's totally random. So it is. It we is might totally get to it someday. Random. But there's over 4 million articles on wikipedia in the english language so i'd love to say that we've got a great show coming up for you but we don't really know what we're going to land on so let's just do it and find out what happens the 2011 san fernando massacre are you kidding is this a massacre Okay, <laughs> we never get anything light and fluffy. Oh well, we did get a small light and fluffy Pokemon last week. But <laughs> really, it has mostly been horrible stuff. Yeah, this isn't going to be sexy. I'm pretty sure this is not going to be as sexy as that. I Pokemon. take that as a challenge. Um, <laughs> the opening line is that this is not to be confused with the 2010 San Fernando massacre, the, the killing of 72 illegal immigrants. Oh, God. The 2011 San Fernando Massacre, also known as the Second Massacre of San Fernando, was the mass murder of 193 people by Los Zetas drug cartel at La Joya Joya Ranch in the municipality of San Fernando, Tampal... Tamal... (laughs) More pronunciation for you, Phil. (laughs) Tamaulipas... Tamaulipas, Mexico. Authorities investigating the massacre reported numerous hijackings of passenger buses on Mexican Federal Highway 101 in San Fernando and the kidnapped victims were later killed and buried in 47 clandestine mass graves. The investigations began immediately after several suitcases and baggage were unclaimed in Reynosa and Matamoros. On April the 6th, 2011, the Mexican authorities exhumed 59 corpses from eight mass graves. By the 7th of June 2011, after a series of multiple excavations, a total of 193 bodies were exhumed from mass graves in San Fernando. Jesus. So this is just regular passenger buses? Uh, Nothing to do with the the cartel, just 
just normal members of the public it, it appears that way yeah that they've just got on a bus and ended up in a mass grave good fun wow <laughs> i mean the thing that strikes me straight away is how have i not how has this just slipped under the radar this is complete news to me yeah i've never uh, heard I've, of this the, and and this has happened twice um in 2010 and 2011 and never I guess it's, made it's it it's mexico though the us probably you know any media that we we're, we're going to get from from that way is going to come from the US and they don't really give a fuck about Mexico. It's kind of it's kind of their Scotland. And and this is quite different from just deep frying Mars bars. <laughs> it's a different scale. They're both horrors. <laughs> but yeah, I think oh. this one does does take the biscuit. Let's so, read on. Yeah. 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 Biscuit. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Use a similar idiom that reflects the the gravitas of the situation. That's fine. No biscuits. And there's a lot of gravitas to get through here. Before the violence, this is the background. Local residents claim that arms trafficking, car thefts and drug trade have always existed in San Fernando. But in 2004, Los Zetas arrived at the area. They began to establish themselves little by little and local residents remember witnessing convoys of luxurious trucks entering and leaving the city, going into stores and buying goods. They claimed that before the Mexican drug war, which began in 2006, and the rupture between the Gulf cartel and Los Zetas, which happened in early 2010, the cartels would not kidnap or steal. In fact, they would always pay for the goods they bought in stores. They would live outside the city limits in ranches. However, then they began to live in city neighbourhoods and the people started to get involved with them. A local resident claimed that many families had at least one member involved in the drug trade, and that is why he claims many in San Fernando were scared when the violence erupted. In addition, below is a quote of advice from his mother who gave instructions on what to do when one is kidnapped by the cartels if they come for you do not let them take you alive we will at least know where you are and we will have your body with us to mourn christ wow i should just bring up that we are listed as a comedy podcast uh, on itunes uh, yeah this is grim um and... this is the danger of the format <laughs> before the violence erupted into Morlipas, and i apologize if i am mispronouncing that but I think if you're in that region, you've got bigger things to worry about. San Fernando was known for its bass fishing and dove hunting, and the area had long been popular with outdoor enthusiasts from Texas and other US states. One day, a group of dove hunters from Houston reported being assaulted by a group of heavily armed gunmen in, South, in San Fernando. Violence had erupted, and on the 26th of June, just outside of San Fernando, 15 bodies were found on the Mexican Federal Highway 101. The violence between the Gulf Cartel and Los Zetas their former armed wing had started soon the violence generated between these two groups had spread to Tamaulipas's neighboring states of Nuevo Leon and Veracruz in the midst of violence and panic local authorities and the media tried to minimize the situation and claim that nothing was occurring but the fact that, um, Nessa from Gavin and Stacey who said <laughs> Because she doesn't seem like the right kind of uh, local authority. <laughs> There's nothing occurring. But the facts were impossible to cover up. Confrontations between these two groups had paralysed entire cities in broad daylight. Several witnesses claimed that many of the municipalities throughout Tampo Tamalpo... It's a really hard word. 
<laughs> Confrontations between these two groups have paralysed entire cities in broad daylight. Several witnesses claim that many of the municipalities throughout the region were war zones and that many businesses and houses were burnt down, leaving areas in total destruction. The bloodbath has caused thousands of deaths, but most of the shootings and body counts often go unreported. Wow. That's like a, that's not a good wow. Like, yes, I know, but it sounded like a toothpaste advert. <laughs> <laughs> Gravitas fiddle. But when you see the, the, they talk about the cartels in films and they feature in films all the time and Breaking Bad, of course, yeah. and you don't imagine that that can really be going on on the sort of scale. You don't imagine that, that people are that awful. Or at least you don't like to think about it. But yeah, cartels in TV shows are often quite cartoony. Um, and yeah, clearly they're they not. Really are. Like um, a lot of American TV shows don't portray Mexican cartels as horrifically as they actually are. And I don't know why. It's one of those things. I guess if, you know, if your light entertainment show had busloads of civilians being killed, it wouldn't be that entertaining <laughs> so yeah that's that kind of stuff is definitely for a light entertainment podcast mm, indeed in the city of san fernando the gulf cartel forces of antonia yeah sorry that is the bit i'm on next in the city of san fernando tampolis I'm just going to stop saying it because it. That's fine. <laughs> In the city of San Fernando, the Gulf Cartel forces of Antonio Cardenas Guillen, alias Tony Tormentor, strung the bodies of Tony fallen. Tormentor. Tony Tormentor. Tony Tormentor is an awesome name. Strung, Give that lad some props. Strung the bodies of fallen Zetas and their associates from light poles. Oh, don't give him props for that. That's... He gets no props. <laughs> the Gulf Cartel lashed out to attack Los Zetas at their stronghold in San Fernando. So who who are we who are we rooting for here? Are they they're just both cartels? They're both bastards. Mm -hmm. Nobody wins here. Nobody wins. No, there are no winners. But f I've seen films, and there's always a goodie. The cocaine consumers of San Francisco probably win. Just the the Americans who are mm. enabling this to happen. It's, it, I mean, it really reading stuff like that is a stark reminder that if you do a line of coke in some grotty nightclub in England, chances are a little bit of it, you know, the the 1% of cocaine that's actually in a line of cocaine in the UK probably did come from... Is... from a, Maybe not this region, but somewhere around South America, Central America. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's arrived in the country up a Mexican's ass, And yeah, by buying it, you're helping support these awful people. Carry on. <laughs> The first shootout that occurred in San Fernando in 2010 is still remembered by some residents, which happened near a hospital where the bullet holes can still be seen. According to local residents, heavily armed gunmen then began to fight in certain avenues throughout the city and even shot the police station. None of the shootings made it onto the news. One man who was interviewed mentioned that even before the two massacres were discovered, people were being kidnapped at an alarming rate, but they were scared of the reprisals of the, of the cartels. He then went on to mention that the cartels had San Fernando under control and that they were the authority. Witnesses mentioned that the cartels would enter the city in convoys with more than 200 SUVs and that the policemen were no challenge for them. The cartel gunmen wore military uniform, were heavily armed and would constantly attack policemen and other civilians alike. 
So there's a, a lawlessness which it's hard to believe can possibly exist in the modern world mm-hmm. because you think of states having this under control, but that's clearly not the case. Um, I want my mum. Yeah. There is some details of the previous massacre that happened a year earlier. On August 2010, the Mexican Marines found 72 illegal immigrants dead, 58 men and 14 women in San Fernando. They were killed by Los Citas for failing to pay for their kidnapping ransom and for refusing to work for the cartel. One of the survivors, an Ecuadorian, faked his death and made it up to a military checkpoint to ask for help. He was then aided by the authorities, who then travelled to the place where the survivor had indicated and found 72 corpses is inside a warehouse in a ranch. Huerta Montiel, the main Zeta arrested for the massacre, said in an interrogatory video that more than 600 bodies are buried in the clandestine mass graves near San Fernando, but the Mexican authorities never confirmed it. So it's so severe that (laughs) they don't even have the resources to carry on investigating and and actually find the extent of it. The massacre itself, the 2011 massacre, occurred between the 24th and 29th of March in 2011. Several public transportation buses that were headed to Reynosa were abducted in San Fernando. On 6th of April, the Mexican authorities found 59 bodies in eight clandestine mass graves in San Fernando. This discovery led officials to acknowledge that the Mexican drug cartels had begun to inflict fear through a new modus operandi, stopping buses and removing passengers, some never to be seen again. Two weeks before the bodies were found, there were reports of various buses being abducted by the cartels near San Fernando, where the cartel members would stop the bus, select passengers and take them hostage. On 10th of April 2011, in four other mass graves, 16 more bodies were exhumed, increasing the death toll to 88 bodies. Witnesses then confessed confessed that the cartel members had stopped a bus at a fake military checkpoint and that they had ordered the passengers to pay up $300 for them to continue their route. The investigation continued and on 12th of April, the Mexican military confirmed the finding of 28 more bodies, making the death toll reach 116 and the mass graves of up to 15. It was then proven by the PGR that the massacre was carried out by Los Citas. PGR. Okay, so the PGR is the Attorney General of Mexico. The Procuradio... Now forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they confirmed that the massacre was carried out by Los Itas a drug trafficking organisation formed originally by former military soldiers in Mexico by 13th of April the authorities found 6 more bodies and the death toll reached 122 the next day 12 more mass graves were found with 23 bodies and the body count reached 145 these numbers are stopping to make any sense now Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just bamboozling investigators mentioned that the bodies had been deceased between one and two months also 16 police officers from san fernando were arrested for allegedly serving as accomplices to members of los zetas in the slayings that's no surprise that that's going on as well well it it would be unavoidable would it there's no way that they could operate without the next section is called gladiator like killings The Houston Chronicles journalist Dane Schiller had an interview with a drug cartel member in a restaurant in Texas on the condition that his identity remained completely anonymous. He referred to the hitman as Juan, who wore designer sunglasses and was carrying Nordstrom shopping bags. 
Juan reportedly moves more than five million US dollars of cocaine each month, and his interview has explained that Los Itas have been using an ancient Roman gladiator blood sport to groom new assassins and find recruits for their organization. Christ. It's more like Game of Thrones in real life. Mm. Once captured, the kidnapped victims were forced to fight to death with other victims. Men were given knives, hammers and machetes and were ordered at gunpoint to fight for their lives like gladiator-style contest. The winners of the fights were ordered to go on suicide missions and shoot at rival drug cartel members at other towns and cities. Those that did not win the fight to the death matches were buried in clandestine mass graves. The idea behind this tactic was to find new recruits who were willing to kill without mercy. Almost all of the corpses found in the mass graves had features of blunt force trauma. Juan, the cartel manager, confessed that the game is called Who is Going to Be the Next Hitman? It's not a very catchy name. Mm. Are they gone with like Hitman Factor? That's a good one. Or who wants to be a Hitman? Hitman Idol. <laughs> so yeah, people. The died. previous <laughs> sorry, the previous contest that they had of who wants to be our next PR manager wasn't very <laughs> successful, and that's why the name isn't so good. Peter Hanna, a retired FBI agent with years of experience in the development of the Mexican drug cartels, said the reenactments of gladiator contests where victims cut guys to pieces for the amusement of the drug lords was something that people a few years ago would not think possible, but that is it, now um, is commonplace. That's insane. Like, I, I don't understand it, but if it was religious fundamentalism... I can understand where people are coming from, but this is just financial. This is just money. It's just, just yeah. It's just it's just money. Well, this isn't even money. This is just let's be complete fuckers for no yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. I just, mean, yeah, they're they're getting new hitmen, but but that's it really. You're stopping a I bus full of free. I don't understand. I, I I don't understand that. Yeah, stopping a bus full of two hundred, you know, civilians. God knows how many are women and children. I'm sure there's easier and better ways of getting hitmen out of it, but um, yeah, yeah, it's just awful. And the price of those lives as well, three hundred dollars—that's what they were asking for. Yeah. L Can in- we talk about Jigglypuff? <laughs> <laughs> El Informador newspaper published a story of an alleged survivor of the massacres in San Fernando. Below is the translated story of incidents involving the kidnappings and the killings done by Las Citas. Oh, God. This isn't going to be pretty. A transportation bus of the company Autobuses de Orient made its obligatory stop at San Fernando before reaching its destination in Reynosa. At the terminal, two people got off the bus and a couple of others got on board, making a total of 15 passengers. The bus then left the terminal around 8.30pm on March the 25th, as quickly as possible, fearing that they may be victims of the cartels that operated in the city. While the bus was leaving San Fernando, the bus driver saw at a distance that there were several trucks blocking the highway up ahead and that there were several men wearing ski masks and holding AR-15s. The gunmen ordered the bus to stop and the bus driver obeyed. The cartel members approached the bus pointing their guns and yelling, Open the door, arsehole. Move, you son of a bitch, unless you want me to shoot you dead. The chauffeur, trembling, opened the door for the gunmen who quickly stormed the bus as soon as the door was opened. You're all fucked, yelled one of the gunmen to the people on board. The passengers were frightened and some of them cried, thinking it was simply a regular armed robbery. But that was not the case this time. 
The cartel members then ordered the bus driver to drive the bus deep into a dirt road for about 10 kilometers before reaching a plain area in the middle of nowhere. In the area, there were about 20 luxurious trucks and three passenger buses, some of them with bullet holes, flat tires and broken windows. The driver was then ordered to stop the bus and all the men were then told to descend from the vehicle. They were asked to form a line and the cartel members began to organize them from youngest to oldest and from strongest to weakest. Those who looked old or weak were separated from the group, tied from their feet and taken elsewhere. Those who were left were ordered to take off their shirts and remain where they were. A man wearing a black military uniform, a bulletproof vest and a kit belt was called from the trucks that were parked nearby. All of the trigger men referred to him as Commander 40, better known as Miguel Trevino Morales. One of the top leaders of Los Zetas, the man approached the passengers that were lined up in front of him and said in an energetic voice, let's see assholes who wants to live, but no one answered. One teenager accidentally wet himself out of nervous, nervousness and Commander 40 killed him with a shot to the head. Trevino Morales then yelled, I will ask all of you one more time who the fuck wants to live. All the men raised their hands. Good, we will test your abilities and see how capable you are. If you make it, you'll survive. If you do not, you're fucked. Commander 40 then asked his henchmen to bring the bats and clubs, and each of the passengers was given one. He then said, look, each of you will get in pairs and beat the shit out of each other. Those who survive will work for Lositas, those who don't, well, they're fucked. All of the passengers were shocked and could not believe that the orders the individual in front of them gave sounded more like those of a Nazi than those of a drug lord. Everyone got their bats and clubs, joined up as a pair and started and stared at their partners nervously. Trevino Morales then said, now beat the shit out of each other. Please, sir, I do not want to do this. I will give you all the money I have and my own house, but please let us go. Trevino Morales stared at him firmly, took away his club and then said, "Okay, stupid asshole, leave. And while the crying man was walking away, Trevino Morales swung his bat and hit him on the back of the head and then struck him more than 20 times until his head was completely destroyed. He then turned around and said to the kidnapped victims, this is what you have to do. Have some balls. Anyone who does not want to can tell me and I will beat the hell out of you. All of the men started fighting. Several other Zeta members who were still on a bus with the other passengers ordered the women whom they considered to be the most beautiful to descend the vehicle so they could rape them. They, they took away the children from their mothers and shot the rest of the bus passengers. The women were taken to a warehouse where many other women were held captive. Inside a dark room, the women were reportedly raped. Uh, repeatedly. No, it is reportedly. The women were taken to a warehouse where many other women were being held captive. Inside a dark room, the women were reportedly raped and beaten, while the one heard screams of the women and of the kids being put in acid. God. A driver of one of the buses was asked to turn on the bus engine and then ordered to move the bus to where the kidnapped victims were handcuffed and laid down on the dirt floor. Drive on top of them, one of the killers told the bus driver, who stood there motionless. Drive on top of them, I will put, or I will put you there too, the killer repeated. The driver had no other option but to drive over the victims. As he rode over his own passengers with the bus, he felt like the vehicle was passing over speed bumps. But the only difference was that the bus driver and the passengers could actually hear the cries of the people being run over. The gunman, once the driver was finished, shot him in the head and shot the rest on board. The bus was then set on fire. 
Trevino Morales then gathered all the Zetas and said, We have had enough fun for tonight. Bring the winners. His men were all of those who had passed the gladiator competitions, and they were gathered in front of Morales. Commander Forty then said to everyone, Welcome to Los Zetas Special Forces, the other military. We thought that the civilian casualties in Afghanistan was a bad first article to land on in our first episode. Uh, but yeah, then to... Uh, Seems like a walk in the park. I don't, in a way, I'm kind of grateful because I knew nothing about this and I feel as though my eyes have been opened a little bit. Um, and reading about this, I mean, this is truly horrific. Um, and it contextualizes some of the things that I mean. I I knew that the the drug industry in in South America wasn't nice, um, but then there's this, mm-hmm. and the money that's funding all of this is coming from the West. That's how it's getting piped in. That, that, is that poverty yeah. um, is being fueled by our drug wars and our drug laws, um, and you know we're not innocent in all of this. Well, I am. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I mean, this is just one specific massacre. We don't really know how many of these the, go on, the and indeed, it seems that a lot aren't even reported. The, the so. implication is definitely that there's lots more. Fortunately, there were some arrests um, in April 2011 um, in the capital city of. Ciudad Victoria the Mexican authorities captured Martin Omar Estrada Luna alias El Kilo lieutenant boss of Los Cetas in San Fernando and responsible for at least 217 killings in that locality along with El Kilo 11 additional Zeta gunmen were apprehended they were linked to the killing of the policeman and the investigator who were covering the massacres San Fernando after the massacres. Little by little, the people that left San Fernando are slowly coming back to the city. However, the citizens still find themselves scared and reportedly mistrust foreigners. With the arrival of the Mexican armed forces and the creation of the military base, San Fernando's social fabric and normality have been recovering. In the city square, one can now see a pair of lovers, boot blacks at work, people walking in the streets and kids having fun. Candy stores, restaurants, shoe stores and other establishments have reopened. As of 2012, life in San Fernando appears to be calm, but once nightfall comes around, people are no longer in the streets. After 10pm every day, San Fernando is a ghost town. The last bus departure from Victoria to Matamores to San Fernando is 6.10pm, when before the violence, buses drove to San Fernando throughout the whole night. Taxi drivers used to wait for people arriving at San Fernando throughout all hours of the night and now the last bus arrives at around 9.30 and everyone closes their doors and goes home. In 2012, it had been more than three years since the city of San Fernando had a carnival dance. The Raymond Ayala pub used to be the get-together place every weekend and is now closed. Other bars have also closed too, as well as the cinemas. Well, it looks as though Walt Disney has come to our rescue. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank you, Walt. Please don't let this be about Walt's, like, affection for Nazism or... Because I think he's got a bit of that, Was hasn't he? Was he well into Nazis? Is I, think I think he was... He has something dodgy in his background. I can't quite remember what it is. Hmm. Um, is it, Phil? It isn't. Oh, thank God. Nope. 
this is this is a positive. Um, this is the 2006 animated drama film Bambi Two. Bambi oh, Two. I don't, I don't know if this is good. Uh, well, I'm not. We all know what happens in Bambi. <laughs> well, there's that. Is it like the number two? Did they do Bambi Two, or was it like Bambi Return to the Woods? I, <laughs> I don't know. It's called the the title of the film and the main. Um, video jacket is Bambi 2 um, it has the subtitle and is also known as Bambi and the Great Prince of the Forest oh, she's not going to get off with a prince is she wait is Bambi a boy Bambi's or a girl a deer a, a female deer oh. <laughs> <laughs> low hanging fruit yeah Maybe. they're my lashes those eyelashes yeah yeah female eyelashes there's no need for you to rubbing your thigh while I'm you say that I'm not thigh <laughs> <laughs> Bambi 2, or maybe it'll tell us. Let, let's okay, dive in. Um, Bambi 2, also known as Bambi and the Great Prince of the Forest, is a 2006 American animated drama film directed by Brian Pimentel and produced by Disney Toon Studios mm-hmm. that initially premiered in theatres in Argentina on January 26, 2006, before being released as direct-to-video title in the United States in February 2006. It holds the world record for the longest span of time between two consecutive installments of a franchise. That's a lie. I don't believe that. Being released 64 years after the original. Okay, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. I'm so glad we've got Bambi because... if Right, if you, if you read out the plot and Bambi gets on a bus and travels to Mexico, oh, I'm out. I'm out forever. <laughs> this podcast is over. I would be alarmed if that's the case. After his mother, after his mother is oh, killed ah. by hunters, I, I'm not into that. I think Bambi's a girl. I, I, I really. It's been many years since I've seen Bambi. I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid. I don't think I've ever watched Bambi. I just know what happens. I remember it's really good, um, but then there's Thumper and he's shit rabbit. Fuck off, Thumper. Yeah. <laughs> From what I can remember, I think Bambi is a good film. I don't think it's it just is. been too long. You haven't seen it. You like, can't yeah, comment I, on the quality of Bambi I, yeah, if you've not I, I seen Bambi. I don't think it's good. Like, uh, what's the the one with the fox? Robin Hood. Is it Robin Hood? Yeah. Well, that there's was foxes good. in Robin Hood. There's there Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound, well, that was quite good. What's your point? Why does it relate to Bambi not being good? I just don't like Bambi. Okay. Fuck Bambi. <laughs> okay. After his mother is killed by hunters, Bambi... Um, played by Alexander Gould, stumbles upon his father, the great prince of the forest, played by Patrick Stewart. Oh, really? Ta- Patrick Stewart was in Bambi 2. Direct a video, Bambi 2. So, who takes him back to his den. The great prince asks friend Owl um, to find a doe to raise Bambi since his duties are to his herd. But Owl informs him that because of the harsh winters, the does can barely feed themselves, let alone any extra mouths. The great prince has no choice but to look after Bambi until the spring. Oh, this this seems like a setup for a sitcom. It, it does. <laughs> the like the the independent stag who's got his own place. Yeah, and his bed's like in the shape of a car. Now he's got a son to look after. What hilarious, hilarious. scrapes are they going to get into? Uh, months later, the great prince allows Bambi to accompany his friends Thumper Ugh. and Flower to see the groundhog whose shadow will foretell if winter will end soon. Bambi lies to them about how close he and his father are while the great prince keeps the truth of his mother's death from him. Well, this isn't 
if the great prince played by Patrick Stewart is keeping the truth of Bambi's mother's death from him at the start of the film that's kind of like it's Chekhov's gun isn't it it's going to go off at some point and Bambi's going to be in tears <laughs> and I might be at this rate because I am just very low on energy mm, I'm pretty broke at the minute let's go back to the groundhog ceremony at the groundhog ceremony, Bambi meets up with his crush, Faleen. The groundhog is coaxed out of his hole, only to be scared back in again by Rono, an older fawn than Bambi. Rono tries to impress Faleen with his stories of hunters near the woods and the whistles they use to imitate deer, but Bambi and Faleen don't believe his tale. Bambi and Rono immediately dislike each other, but Bambi is intimidated by Rono, afraid to stand up for himself, and is relieved when he leaves with his mother. The other animals leave as well, and Bambi falls asleep waiting for his father to come get him. After many hours of waiting, Bambi dreams of his mother and hears her voice calling to him in a meadow. It turns out to be an ambush by human hunters, the same ones... Who... I'll be honest, this um, this synopsis isn't setting me on fire, um, and it's reading a lot like a straight-to-video Disney film. It is. I would set Thumper on fire. You would set Thumper on fire? Yeah, Thumper's a dick. Oh, reading ahead, that doesn't happen. Oh, um, <laughs> skip you know to what, the end. Fuck it. It's only Bambi two. Actually, you know what was good? Have you ever seen the Aladdin sequels? They went straight. Return of Jafar was good. Yeah, that was good. It was pretty good. It was alright. But it was good when I was a kid. I don't know if yeah, it would be good uh, now. Yeah, looking back, it, it's not got I, Robin I was, Williams I was in a it. Youngster, but it, it was alright. Yeah, it's not got Robin Williams in, but I think he returned for the third one, which was Prince of Midas. Something to do with gold. Really? I think it was something to do with gold. In no Aladdin, way Aladdin's Bambi my favourite. Aladdin, Aladdin is the best. Disney I, think, film I really, I think the Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid's quite good. Little Mer- right, you were having film. to go at Bambi, but your favourite Disney film is the Little. Mermaid. I didn't say it was a favourite. I said it was alright. I think you just said it was favourite. Did I? Say I think it? we've got think that recorded. Did, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Now it has to be it. your favourite. You don't have any choice in the matter now. Beauty and the <laughs> Beast has the best song though. Um, no, Aladdin does. No, what? Which one? Uh, Prince Ali. Yeah. Da, 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 the elephant. And that. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, Prince Ali. Da da da. With the elephant and that. <laughs> the classic. <laughs> Phil, favorite Disney. Well, no, we've talked about it before, and I know what it's going, what response it's going to elicit in you. But my favorite Disney film is Dumbo. But you have to ignore certain sections as if they don't exist. <laughs> you do, yeah. Because the bits where that isn't happening, and it's not that it's not, it's caricature mm. and misjudged rather than than out and out evil. But the actual story of Dumbo and the the psychedelic sections in that are just amazing, and that the is... animation quality for how early it was. Mm. Pink um, elephant is just yeah, is terrifying to me. Yes, even now, um, as a kid, I couldn't watch it, but. Even now, I st- I'm still not comfortable with it. Something just doesn't sit right. But I, I hid behind the sofa when the pink elephant's <laughs> pit came on. And that's just... He just got pissed, didn't he? Is that right? Dumbo got drunk, and that's that was, it. That was his, like... But pretty much, yeah. He visions. was, he was in a, a confused state. Yeah. No. Never drink. Never do drugs, never drink. These are the lessons we're taking <laughs> from the podcast today. Wow. Uh... But mainly... Don't go to San Fernando and don't mm. watch Bambi 2. Awful. But of the two, definitely <laughs> watch Bambi 2. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably sit through it, yeah. Yeah. It's Patrick Stewart. Might be quite good. It doesn't sound very good. 
You'll be pleased to so know. What happens at the end? Uh, Rono gets his comeuppance, um, bitten on the nose by a snapping turtle, and runs off <laughs> screaming for help. So take that, Rono. Sorry if I have spoiled the ending for anybody that was planning to go out and um, watch um, Bambi 2 to cheer themselves up after listening to this bleak podcast. I can't remember what Rono did in the first place, to be honest. If my kids said, oh, can we watch Bambi 2? I'd tell them to fuck off. Okay. Just leave. I don't want. I don't want those kids. Bambi too. I can see this this podcast getting <laughs> getting dug up by some solicitors <laughs> in twenty years when Chris is dressed as Spider Man scaling the House of Parliament. Um, <laughs> this is going down as evidence. Well, if you're still listening, thank you for um, for braving that podcast. Thank you for getting us through it. I'm um, going home for a little cry. Mm, yeah, I normally do after we record the podcast, so God <laughs> knows what it's going to be like this week. I'm going to be weeping. Uh, yeah, that's that's a tricky one. And I feel like that that's something... I mean, it's a definite failure of the format where we have to talk about that sort of thing for, for a long time because these are always long Wikipedia articles as well, so... You feel like you have to do it justice and talk about it fully uh, and thoroughly. I think you'll have to allow us to sort of skip some of those articles from time to time if it's getting a little too heavy. Uh, whilst it's interesting, I think it's um, you know fairly disheartening and and maybe not exactly what you come to this podcast for. Yeah, we'd so. like to cheer your commute up a little bit if we can, um, rather than ruin your whole day, all life, all life. Yeah. Um. So we'll 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 think about that. We don't want to be dishonest in the way that we run the podcast, but at the same time, we want to keep it entertaining and interesting for you. So if you've got any comments or um, you'd like to suggest what you'd prefer us to do, um, then of course get in touch. Yeah, and we do hope to bring some um, some bonus content as well over the next few weeks. Did I just say content? I did. I said you content. Said content. Oh no! <laughs> bonus episodes um, uh, will be coming. Uh, content. <laughs> So we will, um, well, Chris and Phil both have a chance to bring in their own Wikipedia article to to look upon. So hopefully that won't be too depressing. No, I've got a good one. My one is a good one. Okay. I I think it'll be fun. Well, we'll hopefully get them out in the next few weeks for you. Uh, In the meantime, usual stuff. You can find us at WikiShufflePod on Twitter. You can email us at podcast at wikishuffle.co.uk. We're on Facebook. We're on iTunes. We are on Redbubble if you want to buy some stuff for, uh, from us. Buy our tat. Us. Buy our tat. And our website is wikishuffle.co.uk. Are we going to have a link on the website to buy? Because we have a supporters section, so we can we put do. the Redbubble link the Red in. Stuff yeah. On, yeah. Yes, that needs to go. So if you, if you go to wikishuffle.co.uk, there will be a direct link um, to our tat on redbubble.com. Mm-hmm. Until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.